Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel, UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. You've already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe. And even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varvel UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Varvel Football Podcast. Monthly episodes now, not weekly. Why is that? Why are you being so lazy, Johnny? Well, uh, commitments in terms of we've been ramping up, and Harry can vouch for this, we've been ramping up going to live football matches, haven't we? Yeah, I've been really, really busy, haven't we? And it's a, it's a hectic period, so podcasts have had to go on the back burner for a little while, but we're back with a vengeance. It's true, yeah, it's true. And and, and Harry's there, and I, I didn't even introduce him, but obviously he's there because I asked him a question. And <laughs> and that, that that's wonderful, that's a good start. But also, as well, I've been doing private tuition, for better or for worse. My rates vary, don't they, Harry? I mean, I think I'm a good tutor, I think I'm a good podcaster. You, you imagine me doing this, but in tuition mode, so... Seven times three is twenty-one, and you know that that pays well. So that's been taking up my weekly, my weekday, uh, my week evenings. Sorry, sorry, should I say? So that's made it quite problematic as well. Uh, but it's been a nice little uh, detour into the wonderful world of education. Anyway, on the topic of education, on the topic of discussing things and, and putting things in different places, making tables, uh, we're going to make this a bit of a special one, uh, a special monthly edition for February is to rank every single Premier League manager from 1 to 20, which, as you probably already know, is, 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 almost, is almost putting yourself out there to be, to be a sponge of abuse because obviously no one, no one can get a 1 to 20 perfect is actually mission impossible. Just like at the start of the season when you do your Premier League predictions 1 to 20 and you put three teams, 18th, 19th and 20th, because you have to, and yet those fans of the teams that are 18th, 19th and 20th think you are a clown and they don't let you have any sort of uh, ambiguity about that fact. So again, this is another one, isn't it, Harry? I mean, is it mission, is this one a mission impossible? I mean, no one's going to be happy because no. like we spoke before this, all the managers that have been rubbish this season have already been sacked. So there's a lot of new managers in the league and they're yeah. all quite unproven. So it's, it's really difficult, but we've got a list, but I think yeah. ours are going to be very different. Yeah, we've got a list. And now there's different ways. And I've tried to keep this as much from Harry as I can. So we have like natural reactions and authenticity when we're discussing this. The way I've done this, in my head, I've, I've categorised it into three categories. I've actually put a rating of one to ten in two of them. Uh, and that's tactical nows, one to ten, and man management, one to ten, which I think they're, they're two hugely important characteristics. And then in the third sort of column, it's not a one to ten, it's more of a status so have they proven themselves over the years? Are they a novice? Have they done really well in the early years of the managerial career, but still got a lot to prove? Or have they you know, been, been doing this phenomenally well for 10, 20 years? Something like that. So 
the status ideas, how long the longevity of it, you can't really give that a one to ten. Uh, but the other two, as I say, tactical nows, you know, how, how they see the football game uh, and also man management capabilities, how they can motivate the players to perform at 110%. That's how I've gone with it. Uh, Harry, any idea? Have you had a sort of uh, formula, or is it just a more? Oh yeah, he's the best, and uh, he's not the best. <laughs> well, I've got a, a standard one to twenty, but I've I've tried to like base it more on it's it's more on the last few seasons, but main focus is on this season really. So I imagine there's going to be quite a lot of unhappy people when they uh, see my. Well, that's good because we've got a slightly distinct, different formula for doing this. So then we've, we've both got reasons for how we've done the what. So what we've said, we'll start at the top because maybe that's where the big names are, the more obvious names are, and then it gets a bit more ambiguous as we go down because you could literally have completely, almost completely different bottom fives, bottom tens, almost completely different uh, bottom 16, should I say, because the top four sort of pick themselves, don't they? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think we'll we'll have the same top four, maybe in different order. I think you probably have Conte a little bit higher than I do. Well, no, actually, no, no, no. I do love him, but actually, you're wrong. Uh, if we if we go off that, we, you are wrong, and I do love him. He's my favourite manager in the world. Well, maybe joint with Sean Dyche. You know, Sean Dyche is wonderful. What about guy. Steve Bruce? Ah, yes, actually, Brucey. Joint third. Th- there's three at the top. <laughs> They're all joint. Steve Bruce, by the way, it has been the manager of my ultimate team since the very start, and I have no desire to change him. In fact, when I got a Bundesliga themed team. Instead of changing to a Bundesliga theme manager, I just uh, converted Bruce into a Bundesliga manager. So all your players start on like forty <laughs> fitness when the game kicks off. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what? You know what's impressive now? He says "dust ourselves down," but he does it in German, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> what's all the sleeves up in German? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to butcher it. I don't want to butcher it. But yeah, Bruce is top. Love Brucey. To be fair, he's a smash, smashing lad, smashing lad. You'd love to go pub with him, wouldn't you? You'd love to go to the maybe not. Oh you. yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh, I hear, I hear that Craig Hope. <laughs> and Harry. <laughs> no, that'd be his son, wouldn't it? He'd be after you. Alex would uh, be. Yeah, Alex would be after you. Anyway, yeah. So top four, yeah. I've got, as I said, on my on my metric system. Uh, I've got Guardiola top for nine and a half out of 10 for tactics and 10 out of 10 for man management. Uh, I've got Jurgen Klopp second, nine out of 10 for tactics, 10 out of 10 for man management. I've got Thomas Tuchel third, uh, nine and a half out of 10 uh, for tactics and nine for man management. And I've got Antonio Conte fourth, nine out of 10 for tactics, nine and a half out of 10 for man management. So that means you've got Guardiola on 19.5 out of 20. You've got Klopp on 19 out of 20. You've got Thomas Tuchel and Conte both on 18.5, but Tuchel's slightly better tactically than Conte. I think and Conte's a slightly better man manager than Tuchel. But you probably disagree, judging by those facial expressions that cannot be seen on a podcast. Only you could make a list so interesting with different <laughs> tallies out of 10 and this and that. I've got a standard list. Yeah. And funny enough, I've been bantered for this by you, but I had Thomas Tuchel as the best manager in the league earlier on in the season. Yeah. He's gone down quite a bit since then. Yeah. So Guardiola, number one, I've yeah. gone with. Jurgen Klopp, second. Yeah. Antonio Conte, third. Okay. Thomas Tuchel is fourth now. Right, yeah. So, okay, I've, I've done my metrics. I'll discuss it a bit more. We'll get your take. Uh. Outside the metric of Guardiola and Klopp, what, of the numbers, is the is the sort of status that I see. And they're both elite. Well, all four of these got elite longevity, but 
but Guardiola and Liverpool have done it. Guardiola and Liverpool, Guardiola and Klopp have both done it for a sustained. They built dynasties uh, at the clubs in England, and uh, and now Antonio Conte did three seasons with Juventus, and he was very successful in those three seasons. So that's a dynasty of sorts. But then he struggled to do it since then. You know, Chelsea, one brilliant season, one okay season. Uh, Inter Milan, one really good season, one great season, then left. Uh, now he's at Tottenham. You know, can he can he can he get that dynasty there? Still up in the air. And same with Tuchel a little bit. Tuchel replacing Klopp at Dortmund did very well. Um, in terms of managers post-Klopp, he's probably done one of the best at Borussia Dortmund. Then he went to PSG, where he was still probably one of the most successful PSG managers in terms of getting the club to second in the Champions League, got them to the Champions League final. And then he's gone to he's gone to Chelsea and obviously had such a wonderful impact there. But again, I'm still waiting. If if, if Thomas Tuchel could build a dynasty at Chelsea, you know, for a, stay there for three seasons or, or four seasons and, and and show that he could be successful there, then. He goes into the he goes he goes up. I think he do, he definitely does go up potentially. Don't know who he replaces out of Klopp and Guardiola, but he'd certainly go up. And same with Antonio Conte. You know, I think longevity is the thing that him and Tuchel need to prove that the the dynasty uh, at a football club, particularly in the Premier League. Um, until they do that, I think this I think they're still going to pale a little bit in comparison to the top two. But again, four phenomenal coaches. Uh, and just before you move, just before I, I go to you, Harry, I think Guardiola, particularly, and Tuchel, they are the outstanding tacticians of the league, without question. I think Tuchel's in game management's amazing, probably arguably the best in the league. But what Guardiola's brought to English football tactically is phenomenal, unlike anyone else, I think. Um, I think Klopp and Conte are excellent tacticians too, but I think it's clear their strengths are slightly more towards the man management side, where they can get absolutely 150% out of players. You know, they are just superhuman motivators, really. Uh, but yeah, those four, a level above everyone else by some distance in the league. Yeah, mate, I think you're pretty spot on. I think I don't think anyone can really argue with the top four at all, unless you're a, a staunch fan of maybe a Bielsa or something like that. Yeah. But no, I don't think anyone can dislodge that top four. Pep, number one for me. Uh, just look at his record, look what he's doing with this Manchester City team. Yes, they spent a lot of money, but money doesn't always guarantee your success. And, you know, Pep's brought that to City. Jurgen Klopp, I think a lot of Liverpool fans uh, would definitely have him number one. I think a lot of people would also have him at number one, the job he's done there. He's had a lot of injuries in the past. You know, he's won Champions League, Premier League. Being able to take on that Man City team and go toe-to-toe with them is an incredible feat. Uh, so, yeah, a fair enough, number two. And Antonio Conte in third, look, serial winner. He's won trophies nearly everywhere he's went. And if he does that at Tottenham, then he could even get himself into the top two. It's funny because, did you see his, um, obviously you were at the game, but he did yeah. an interview with Match of the Day after the game. And he turned around and said, it's the best group of players I've ever had. I would think, oh, he's talking about the playing quality. No, no, it's people, not as players. <laughs> but that's what he said. <laughs> no, I, I do like Antonio Conte and, yeah. and Thomas Tuchel. It, it's, it's gone a little bit south for him as of recent, but still a fantastic manager. The, the, the job he'd he done when Lampard came in to get that side into the top four and, and win the Champions League in the same season is, uh, mm. is really some going. So I think no one can argue with that top four. Yeah, I, I just two questions, actually, because my friend messaged me actually yesterday about this and he was saying, you know, he was talking, messaged me about elite managers and whatnot out of the blue, really, and sort of said, why is Klopp not number one? He does it on a, on less of a budget. He do, he gets, uh, like you say, he goes toe-to-toe with Man City. He's won the Champions League. Um, 
and he, and as I say, it's ma- it's mainly a money argument, really, isn't it, as to why Klopp is, why Klopp isn't number one, and they say, well, he's done it on much less of a budget. But I mean, why is Guardiola number one? I mean, for me, with that answer, I was sort of saying, if you gave both managers two hundred million, I'd rather Guardiola spent it because I think he's slightly more of a guarantee of, of trophies. And I think his football's more easy on the eye, just personally, and that's a preference thing. In fact, I think splitting these two is a preference thing. So if you put Klopp as number one for those reasons, I don't think you can really argue, can you? But you're also Guardiola one. What's the thinking there? Yeah, I agree with you there. And if you you were talking about with, you know, obviously you'd say City, you've got a better side on paper than Liverpool. But, Mm. you know, Liverpool have the best attacker in the world at the minute in Mo Salah in their squad, alongside Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, Diogo Jota is comfortably, I would say, now at least top eight in the in the league. Luis just Diaz. Brought in Luis Diaz as well. And they've got the best defender in the world in Virgil van Dijk. Mm. I mean, if you look at Liverpool last season, yes, they got top four, but they dropped a lot of points. I mean, Burnley won at Anfield, yeah. Newcastle drew with them back to back. And that was all because they lost van Dijk. Mm. I don't think that City and, and Guardiola would have much of a fall off as that under Pep. That's no. why he just shades. But they're both, they're both outstanding and you can make a case for both of them being number one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, completely agree. And just with Conte and uh, and Tuchel, then, um, I I th- I think it, it, yeah, it, it's interesting with Tuchel. I suppose the, there has been a drop off. Could you not say though, with that drop off, it's simply a series of injuries to quite key players? I mean, Ben Chilwell being such a you know prominent figure on the, on the left wing back role, Reese James also getting injured as well, losing your two key wing backs in a wing back system is a bit of a problem, especially when you don't really have the backups. And also the Lukaku situation hasn't helped either, has it really, with everything going on? Yeah, I think you've, you've summed that up perfectly. Look, you lose your two best wing-backs in a, a wing-back system and you've got a, a 90 to £100 million strike up front that doesn't want to be in the club after a few months. So he's, he's, had, a, he's had it hard, to be fair. I mean, I think he lost Mount to injury as well. Yeah. He's not really been able to field a full-strength squad for the majority of the season. So... And look, I think the ceiling for, for Chelsea, unfortunately, at the minute is third. So I, I don't think any of them get near City or, or Liverpool. No, yeah, no, I completely agree, really. Completely agree. Okay, so I think that's where, where the cutoff is dropping. And, and, and I think you agree with me now that any selections beneath this, there is a big jump. Like they are like little baby steps between the four managers. And now you now you're doing a bit of a jump, like, I don't know, substantially, because you know, those four are elite. And there is a big gap, I think, between the elite and the rest. And so much so with number five, I think you probably have the same number five as me, just judging by what we sort of said before off, off air. And this is something, I mean, I actually went before when we did this, I was sort of it going with Bielsa. And he's still quite high on my list, don't get me wrong. But I've gone with Brendan Rodgers, which does seem odd, um, considering the um, the fact that last time I was going Bielsa and actually Rodgers seems to have got worse since then. But... The point, I've had another think about it, really. And what you got with Rodgers, really, is there aren't many clubs over the past 10... Well, there aren't any, I don't think, over the past 10 years or so where you think he's done a bad job there. You know, he's done a good job. He's done a very good job for Leicester on the whole. Did a very good job for Liverpool in terms of getting them competing for a title again. On the, on the Carling Cup, wasn't it, at the time, I think, uh, for, for Liverpool as well. Did a great job at Celtic. You know, the, the fans were devastated when he left to join Leicester in the first place. And I know you say, oh, it's Celtic, but it's it's not easy. You've seen how Celtic have been performing over recent years. It's not a guarantee of anything, really, even, you know, go, going to Scotland and taking over the biggest club in Scotland. Sorry, Rangers fans, but probably true. Um, and it's just one of, he shakes his head, but uh, it's, it's one of those, really. Yeah, I think I think he's done a very good job. And Swansea, of course, you know, he was he was one of the uh, key key 
key cogs in Swansea wheel who, you know, when they when they were performing well, he got them playing some really, really good football. I mean, lots of good managers have gone to Swansea and had them playing good football. And Rogers isn't, you know, an exception to that rule. Um, every, as I say, I just think everywhere he's gone, he's had his teams playing an attractive brand of football. Um, you know, he seems to have really good man management skills, certainly with the players. The, obviously, the big the big issue for Rodgers, I think, and, you know, he's been linked with Man City, he's been linked with Man United, because Man City post-Guardiola, Man United, well, just generally. Uh, the big issue, really, with him is he can't seem to sustain it. When you think he's going to get to that level where he's building and he's building, they're playing good football, they're going to his place, there always seems to be something that just holds them back. I mean, Leicester managed to bottle two Champions League spots in a row, it was phenomenal achievement to get them into those spots, by the way. Let's, you know, let's not beat around the bush to get them into fourth. Was it was incredible because again, they're the, the sort of the Robin Hood team. They don't have the finances or didn't have the finances of other teams. He got them there playing the right way. Brilliant stuff. Of course, he's won an FA Cup at Leicester, but then two seasons in a row, they managed to squander a lead that just didn't seem like they could squander. And they managed to do that. Again, for Liverpool, when they were when they had one of the best forwards the Premier League's ever seen in Luis Suarez and an unbelievable attack they still managed to not quite get it over the line with with a Manchester City team that were far from Guardiola perfect they had their flaws under Manuel Pellegrini they weren't this 90 98 point gargantuan team then and they couldn't get it done then either um I think and of course Leicester's now gone up to the Europa League as well I think he's got so much good about him and all the signs are there that he could potentially screws you know sneak into that elite level category but unfortunately there's just been too much i hate to use the word but bottling in key moments whereas the the people at the the top four that we've just discussed it wouldn't happen with them they'd get the job done they'd win the trophies they'd get things over the line yeah that's about it really i mean if he won the premier league at liverpool he's a he's a shoo-in for fifth isn't he just off, just off the back of that. I mean, look, he's got a lot of credit in the bank at Leicester, of course. Those two great seasons they had, where they, you know, like we said, they didn't get over the line, didn't get a spot in the Champions League, won the FA Cup with with them, which you know, a phenomenal achievement for Leicester. But he's actually a little bit lower on my list than, than fifth. I don't know whether you want me to reveal where he where he sits or whether we want to. Well, well no, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll have your discussion of him now, and then you can just sort of reveal him in in brief when we get there. We don't want to spoil it for the wonderful listeners. No. Do we? We, they're all biting the nails on you know in anticipation for what comes <laughs> next. Anticipation yeah. of where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think this season is is kind of of showing them up really. I don't know whether he's had his head turned maybe by the Man City job, but might be coming up in a couple of seasons' time because it seems there's been quite a few discussions on that front, especially when he was linked with the Newcastle job when the takeover yeah. happened. And yeah. uh, we, we heard quite quickly that he was he was hanging on, basically, for the Man City job to come. So whether that's yeah. changed anything, we do not know. But they've had a lot of injuries this season, Leicester as well. I mean, and they've also gone through a little bit of a transitional phase up front with Vardy. You know, he's slowing down a bit now. He's yeah. struggling a little bit more with injury. I know they've brought in, obviously, Dakar. They've got Ian Acho, but they need that the proper number nine, which has you know got Leicester in the position to win the title, mm. push for you know Champions League and that sort of thing. So mm. I think he's been dealt a bit of a bad hand this season in terms mm. of the injury, but you can say that about quite a lot of managers and Leicester fans. I feel they're a patient bunch, and when quite a lot of them are wanting them sacked, I think that, that does tell you quite a lot. I think it's I think it's more. I, I compl- that's what I mean. I completely agree with what you've said. 
but that's what stops him, I think, from being up there. The fact that, you know, he's done a very good job everywhere he's been, but there does seem to be a, a tailor off, particularly in the third season, actually. Because if he, when he goes, you know, when he eventually leaves Leicester and joins another side, he'll do, you imagine he goes, he'll do if really he goes well. to like a Villa or a Newcastle, somewhere like that. Yeah. They're going to want him out in two seasons' time. He'll come in, have a fantastic start, and it'll just peter off, peter off, peter off until it's all right, we need change, and then he's going to go and do the same thing again for another. But, but my argument would be, though, that in that two year, two season spell, the fact that he does seem to have a guarantee of, of getting a team somewhere, that's still impressive, you know. Oh, it, yeah. It, it still really is. The, the gap, the gap, as I say, is really big between that top four, those top four. But the way he gets his teams playing, it, it's really, really impressive. And also, one thing that Rogers has, what a lot of others don't have, it, 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 to be fair, is big team proven experience. And he's not, he's not wilted at that. He did a good job for Liverpool. He didn't do a great job like Klopp. But he did a good job for Liverpool. He did do a great job for Celtic, who are, you know, a very big team with lots of with, with big expectations. Um, and Leicester, of course, are quite a sizable team with 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 ambition, certainly. And he did take them forward. He did get them playing good football. He did have them on the cusp of the Champions League twice. Probably should have got it, but he did win an FA Cup as well in that time. And he's got some of the players like James Madison playing out of the skinny moments. So I think the thing that nudges him into fifth for me over the others is that. He's gone to big clubs and he hasn't wilted. And we can't Here's say that. Here's one for you, Johnny, yeah. about Rodgers. If you give him Man City's team for this yeah. season, yeah. how many points do Liverpool win the league by? <laughs> um, that's interesting. Yeah, I think... Because that's a step up next for him, isn't it? Oh, with Rodgers. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, needs, he needs to manage a, a, a team that can win a title. Yeah, I... I... Listen, I think the Man City job, if you could argue there's some people down there, they'd be, they'd be going into the unknown with Rodgers. He's, like you say, he's already managed Liverpool. He's already managed a title-winning Celtic team. I know it's slightly different, but it's still still that experience. He's managed a Champions League chasing uh, Leicester as well. He's got them playing well. I think, listen, I, I think you're right. I think I think anyone replaces Guardiola, you'd expect Liverpool to become the favourites, but I think they'd be comfortable second. You know, I, I don't think... The, you know, it, it, there are similarities in the way Guardiola plays and the way Rogers wants to play. I just think the difference is um, Guardiola probably gets the fine margins right. He wouldn't let the team tailor off. It, you know, instead, Rogers probably gets what maybe I don't know, 87, 88 points with that City team, whereas whereas Guardiola's probably getting into the nineties. You know, that's that's the big that's the difference between an elite manager and a very good fine tactician. Yeah, 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 it is. Anyway, who's your number five? Sorry, we we, we just sort of stop there. Interesting one. Marcelo Bielsa I've gone with. Yeah, uh, okay. Fifth. Look, this, I think everyone will look at the league table and go, hang on, Leeds, you know, on a relegation yeah. fight. Yeah. You know, when you take out your two best players from a pretty threadbare squad mm. that haven't invested a lot of money this season, to have them, you know, I think they'll stay up is, is a pretty pretty good achievement. The job he done last season with them was phenomenal. Look, they were a breath of fresh air when they came into the league. They got a little bit fortunate with injuries and, of course, you know, we always see that that first season when a team comes up from the championship, teams don't really know how to deal with them. I think this season Leeds have found it a lot tougher, but I think it's just it's credit to Bielsa. And I think if he keeps them up this season, he's done another magnificent job. But they have to invest next season if they stay up to keep Bielsa yeah. at the club because yeah. he doesn't hang around for too long, does he? But with Bielsa, Johnny, what do you think? Like, can he make that step up, like you know, to a, to an elite club? Because he's always been that manager that kind mm. of just. Floats around jobs, mm. leaves after a season, goes away for a couple of years, come back, so you remember him again. What's next for Marcelo Bielsa? Well, it's like, it's like Ralph Ranić, that isn't it? I think I put the two P's in a pod. You seem to disagree with that a little bit based on things we said off air, but I, I do think they are so very similar. Absolute inspirations for the footballing game. You've got Bielsa who inspired 
uh, Pep Guardiola and uh, Maurizio Pochettino heavily in the way they play. You've got Ralph Ranić, who massively inspired Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp. So they both sort of have that. Uh, well, the, the professor and the and the and the uh, as 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 yeah, as Ralph Ranić called them. They're both professors of football in their own right, really. Um, that's that's the thing with Biel. So that's why because I initially thought he was a top five manager, and I still say he's top six to well top seven on this. Uh, in in my eyes, he's a phenomenal coach tactically. Uh, as I say, for the for the people that he's inspired, I just doubt whether he could handle the egos. You know, if he went to Manchester United now and was asking Ronaldo to press like mad at the front and then tasking the other midfielders to push up and 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 comp and you know partake in murder ball as it's called in training, where he absolutely exhausts players, pushes them to the physical limit. I don't know if that would work. I don't know if that would work because. Again, I think with Bielsa, you, you sort of need humble players, the right kind of players, the right kind of attitude. And that usually means not the top, top end players who've got the ego. And that's where I think it could come a cropper for him because at least... You couldn't is- have like a, a certain football model like if you had like a, fo- you know, like a director of football, sport and director. I feel like Bielsa, if he's to bring in players, they've got to be his players he's bringing yeah. in. Yeah, and, and, and again, that's what I mean. The best managers, what we just said, Guardiola... Klopp, Tuchel, Conte. I'm going to say Rogers to a point, actually. They, they all know how to deal with egos. You know, Rogers knew how to deal with egos. He, he's had Luis Suarez. He's had uh, James Madison's got an ego. You can sort of tell with, with, with the way he plays. He's got him playing really well. Um, you know, Daniel Sturridge. He had Daniel Sturridge playing the best football of his career as well at Liverpool as well. He, Gerard, I suppose, has. I mean, maybe he's going to play well for any manager, but, you know, big personalities, big characters. Uh, I just doubt with Bielsa that he could do that with, uh, with like you say, I think it, it comes down to specific players, but for what he's done for the game, he's, you know, he, I can't argue with him in fifth. Um, I've got, got him slightly lower, but the, the reasons for him being slightly lower are the fact that there is an unproven sort of characteristic with the ego idea. And I just think that that could come across for a little bit. And he's also a little bit, he's also almost reluctant. I know he has done at Leeds and he did quite well with the Atletico Bilbao as well. Atletico Bilbao back in the day did really well in Europe in particular. I remember that team that, that you know, absolutely terrified Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United in the Europa League. I think Fernando Llorente was up top for them there. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that, that's the one question about me. But I can't argue with your point there, putting him there. It's not wrong with that. In sixth, for for similar reason, I've gone Ralph Ranić. Now that's that that's sort of I, I consider these two in the same category to an extent. But I think with Ranić, he's gotten into Manchester United, and I actually, to be fair, whatever people say, I do think he's actually improved slightly what United were doing compared to under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, where they had no plan, no identity. It was just Ronaldo. Would the results be better under Oli? No, regardless of that. No, do you don't think? No, 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 no. I mean, they were losing. They lost five 0 at home to uh, Liverpool. They lost 4-1 away at Watford, who were at the bottom of the table. And the plan was seemingly give it to Cristiano Ronaldo, give it to Bruno Fernandes and hope, dear God, that they score. Because that, that's that's what that's all it was. And to be honest, with, with Solskjaer, and I really did like Solskjaer, even last season when they got second, even when they were winning games, it didn't look like they knew collectively what they were doing. It was more about, OK, Bruno, you, it's your job now. Do something, do something creative, do something wonderful. And now it's all gone, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, something like that. And I do think Ranić has come in and tried to implement a style on this Man United team. And he's had to change it a little bit because some of the players just don't seem to want to press that much. And like Ranić's already said, 
you know, this isn't his squad. These aren't his players. And he's dealing with a mess that was left behind by, by the previous manager and management staff. Um, I think you're looking at Bielsa, you're looking at Ryan, you can, with similar eyes, uh, because they've done similar things with football. They've both had a really big impact on other managers. Ranić's done rather well and he's highly respected across across Germany, across the Bundesliga, done well with Hoffenheim, had a decent spell at Schalke, where I think he won the DF, uh, the Pokal in, um, in Germany, the Pokal Cup. And I think I, 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 the reason I put him ahead of Bielsa slightly is I think he's a little bit more PR friendly, if that makes sense. I think he's a little bit better to deal with you know, the egos. He's a little bit more of a, a shrewd man manager, if, if that makes sense, in terms of dealing with people who are maybe don't want to do what he wants to do, because currently at Man United, he's got a few people like that. And I think he's dealing with the situation quite well. I still back them to finish fourth, really. And I think that would be quite a good achievement, considering the mess that United are in a little bit. And I just doubt whether Bielsa, who is seventh on my list, would be able to have that sort of savviness in terms of dealing with, with superstars. That Ranić seems to have a little bit of of, of, uh, of of good man management with. I don't think he's perfect, by the way, as we can see at United. It's like he's in a zoo, but I think I think he does have a little bit more, um, as, as I say, a little bit more suave, I suppose, to 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 deal with a big job like Man United. Thing is, like you've said there with Bielsa, it is the unknown. We don't actually know. Yeah, but that's flip on the other side, Gilfralf Ranić, that Leeds team, does he do a better job than Bielsa? I don't I think, think he does. It, um, See, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's difficult. It yeah, 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 yeah. It's difficult. The thing is, they, they both play a very similar brand of football. I think I think Ranić's, you know, Ranić's the one of the uh, was dubbed the grandfather of Gegenpressing. pressing. You know, he wants to. He wants to strangle the life out of opponents. If you ever listen to one of his lectures, I think he's, he just speaks so wonderfully. I think he speaks so wonderfully in his, pre, in his press conferences, by the way. Yeah, um, I thought that as well. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think anyone would have done what Marcelo Bielsa has done at Leeds. That's the thing. You, you, you're absolutely spot on. I just think that, and, and then you put into the argument, well, Ranić's, you know, not done as much coaching over the past decade as, as, as other coaches have. He's done a lot in sporting director roles. But I'd argue that sort of makes him a bit more refined as a manager as well, because if he's done the sporting director roles, he knows what kind of players he wants. He has a really good eye for recruitment. He can, can bring the players in. He can coach those players really well. And I, I think he's a bit disrespectful. Like Paul Scholes will say, no, he's a sporting director. You know, he's been a manager for a very, very long period of time in Germany. But and does that not tell you a lot about what the players are thinking in the Man United camp? Thinking the same thing. He's just he's a sporting director. Is this why they're not pulling in the you know the results they should be getting? Well, no, I, I don't think it is because I think that he's obviously coming with a very big tactical mind. And even I think Cristiano Ronaldo even said, you know, you can you can sense that he wants to build. He needs time. And Ronaldo even said he needs time to develop his ideas to build his philosophy. Let's be fair. It was like holiday camp before Ranjit came in. In terms of, and I loved Solskjaer for, for the for the almost he was representative almost of a fan coming in and, and, and taking over the club that he loves. But my word, I mean, now they now they're being told to press. It was almost like. Or press if you want, lads, but if you don't, it's all right. Just sit back and, you know, have a breather for 10 minutes. Whereas Ranić gets push, push, push. I actually think if you watch United as well over the past few games, let's be fair, when Guardiola first came in at Man City, he always said, my job is to get the ball into the final third and then the players have to finish it. I can't finish the ball for them. Take that principle with Man United. Man United have dominated halves of football over the past few games. They've dominated halves of football where they could have scored two or three goals and they haven't. And then in the second half, it's all sort of fallen away. If you scored two or three goals, 
you know, they'd be they'd be fine. They'd be they'd be they'd be winning matches. But Ranjit can't finish chances. I think he's got them playing with an identity to a point. I just don't think the players necessarily can carry it out for the full ninety minutes. But yeah, I think those two. Harry, I, I think it's odd if you don't have those two together in a weird way, because I think they're almost two sides of the same coin in what they've done for football. They're not proven elite managers, but they have developed and inspired elite managers more than I think anyone else. Yeah, I just think there's some better managers on the list that have oh, right, okay. proven That's themselves a little bit more in the, in the Premier League, to be fair. And I think it might sound a little bit shallow. I can't say I'm a huge expert on Ralph Rangnick and German football, but if he was that good of a manager, he wouldn't have moved upstairs to become a sporting director. That's just my that's just my take on it. Well, it's interesting because in 2011, actually, he was uh, he sort of he stepped back, I think, from from his job at Schalke, and he sort of said, you know, I I I, I need to emotionally sort of get back get my levels down because he was sort of he was exhausted by the whole idea of management, which I think is why he's dipped in and out a little bit from from management. Obviously, sporting director comes with different challenges. It, it, it means he can sort of he knows what kind of players to put into his philosophy. I think it gives him a different angle on football. I'd argue that gives him another dimension, to be fair. Um, you know, I don't think you can dispute the fact he's a very good coach based on what he's done in the past. In the same way, right, it's like, I think it's like saying, if Arsene Wenger came back to the Premier League to manage a team like now, he'd definitely be your top six or seven manager still, wouldn't he? I think. A bit like Benitez though, isn't it? Where it could just kind of go south quite quickly. And uh... yeah. I, I, Same not, era though, aren't they? We, we're seeing now that the, the old boys in the game are sort of being found out by these new, especially like to Graham Potter. No, but I think it's different because you're saying Benitez and Ranić. Ranić's always wanted to play a progressive brand of football. He was tactically ahead of the curve when he when he was playing in Germany, and that's why he inspired likes of Klopp and Tuchel. Whereas you're talking about the others, and they were more like pragmatists, weren't they? They were pragmatists. So it, it's it's like football's evolving, but they were already at the front of that evolution way back when, before it was a in thing to press from the front, gag and press and strangle life out of opponents. Anyway, uh, six or seven? Uh, six to Graham Potter for me. Oh. I just think he's got a lot of credit in the bank. Uh, Harry's with, dad? With, Harry Potter. With... <laughs> <laughs> Not heard that one you're before. You're a wizard, um, Graham. Oh, God. Mm. Had a lot of that in school. But mm. uh, yeah, he's done a fantastic job at Brighton as, as Graham Potter, I think. He's got a lot of credit in the bank with their fans. I think he's a future England manager, to be fair to him. And could be the first English manager to win a trophy, win a domestic, you know, win a Premier League. He could, he, I genuinely think he could be up there with that. Uh, there's, I think Leicester will will be after him if they if they sack Rodgers. And that's yeah. why Potter just jumps ahead of Rodgers for me. If you look at that Brighton squad, mm. uh, I think he's got a strong core, but it's not a it's not a it's not a top ten side in my eyes. Look, it's mm. it's arguably a bottom six team and he's they just seem to go on leaps and bounds every season yes and right. uh, the likes of Dan Ashworth who's come to Newcastle have you know been instrumental in the players that they've brought in uh, but Potter deserves a lot of credit and for me uh, comfortable at least top eight I would say but I'm going to go with six just on the uh, the basis of the job he's done this season should sign Voldemort from uh, Newcastle shouldn't he Big John Joe. <laughs> that'd be that'd be interesting. No, Potter I, and Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Some something some script has to be written there somewhere. No, I think, yeah, I completely the thing I'll question you, like you question me then. And I really respect Potter and I think what he's done is phenomenal at Brighton. My my thinking is he's not too far up my list, to be fair. But I'm just thinking what ha- I, you know, he did well at Osterson, didn't he? He did well at Osterson and he 
and I think that allowed him to develop tactically. He's come to Brighton and he's done really, really well in imprinting his philosophy on the team. The reason why I don't have him above is because for me, he's still, he still hasn't proven anything substantial for me. He's proven a lot of things, but when I say substantial, look at Bielsa and Ranić, who were like professors of the game for me and what they've done and inspirations. We'll call them inspirations. They've been around for a long, long time. They've inspired a lot of people and they know what they're talking about. They're absolutely proven. Then you've got Brendan Rodgers, who I think has gone to the big clubs and done a good job. Uh, and he's been to quite a few clubs and done really good jobs. And even though he's sort of tailored off at the end of periods and obviously your four elite managers. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that if Graham Potter did go to a, another club, a bigger club, and did the same thing he's done at Brighton and got them, you know, playing a wonderful brand of football and moving high up the league, then he moves. He could move to fifth. He could move to fifth. He could move to sixth. He could move to seventh. But for now, my I have him there because there is still that unproven element. That's going to be a theme of a lot of these coming down. There still is that unproven element. And, and I still have a few doubts as to whether he can manage the big egos. Now, Neil Mapai is quite a big ego, you know, up up top. Malpai is notoriously a bit of an abrasive character, so that is a that is a challenge. He seems to have done well with with Malpai, but again, it's the same principle when it comes to the real elite stars who say, "Oh, oh do do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do that? Does he can he have that same authority at a bigger club?" That's the question mark for me that keeps him a bit lower on my list. Uh, the unproven element at a, at a club in the England. Or Osterson, with all due respect, not the biggest club. He hasn't done it quite at a sizable club yet, but he's still got so much promise, and he's probably the the English manager with the most pedigree. Young. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can make a case for that, and arguably maybe you should be be a little bit lower. But I think our lists are slightly different. I've kind of yes, a mixture of all round achievements as a manager, but a lot of the focus on mine is this season alone. I don't think there's many managers that could replicate what Graham Potter's done no. uh, this season with that Brighton side. And I think he's almost about to hit a ceiling with them as well. Like, how far can he take this team? I think the, the ceiling that Brighton could maybe get to is the, the doors of the Conference League. But other than that, he ain't going to take them much further. And to have them, I think he's gotten on 33 points, yeah. ninth in the league. Yeah. The objective for him would have been to stay up at the start of the season. So yeah. he's fully exceeded expectations. Yeah. And as just it just seems very, very good. And you hear from a lot of managers as well before games um, saying that Brighton are the hardest team to prepare for in the league. There's yeah. a lot of credit for Graham Potter on that front as well. And he can play back three and back four, can't he? He's, he's mixed it about. Yeah, he's a versatile a bit. manager. Mm. Tactically perfect, very, very, very perfect good. Perfect for England in the future, definitely. Tactically very, very good. Like I said, the, the only one question mark for me is that lack of, that that question mark about can he do it with 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 the uh, with the higher egos around him? Will they respond to him? That's somewhere where I think also tactically flexible Brendan Rodgers has proven that he can, but he still pales a little bit in comparison. I mean, Graham Potter could have Brendan Rodgers' time, win some more trophies than, and, and build more, you know, an even stronger uh, reputation than Rodgers did, and then he soars above Rodgers. But for now, I think if if you had to say, oh, Man United need a manager tomorrow. I think Rodgers is above Potter on should be above Potter on that list for that reason. But hey, there we go. Uh, that's why it's all about opinions. I've got Potter in eighth, so that's great. Um, you know, that's good. And since oh, I've just explained all my reasons, they're fantastic. Number nine, I've gone Ralph Hasenhutl, the other Ralph. I think he's an, probably the most underrated manager in the league because we all got to talk about how good Potter is. There's a lot of Brendan Rodgers admirers, a lot of Bielsa admirers. You know, Ranić's got his admirers from Germany um, as well, and then the top four. But Hassan Hutel for me, he's done such a good job 
over the years with that Southampton. For me, he doesn't often get backed heavily in the market. They lose the best players usually every now, you know, when they start to rise in prominence. Danny Ings being the latest one that, 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 that they lost in the summer. And other than James Ward-Prowse, I say other than James Ward-Prowse in that midfield, if you just looked at that team at the start of the season, you'd have said, bang average, you would. I mean, Livramento's come on leaps and bounds, but he was unproven in the Premier League. He's the first real stint in the Premier League. He's doing really well. Uh, Brocha as well, doing really, really well on loan from Chelsea. But again, it's his first full season in the Premier League. You've got to credit Ran- uh, Ranyu, got to credit uh, Hasenhutl for, um, for finding a system that works for him. And, and I think he's tactically excellent. Uh, again, I would argue that you, you said Potter's one of the hardest, uh, Potter's price is one of the hardest to play for. I think Southampton are two because they can go back three, back four, can go four, two, 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 and they can go three, four, three, three, five, two. And, you know, he's, he's a very, very astute manager. Uh, I would say the blot on his CV really are them nine nils. I think sometimes, you know, you can't really legislate for a nine nil, even no matter what the situation, you should never lose arguably six or seven, really. So to lose nine is outrageous. Twice is, is unthinkable. Um, but then I suppose you could argue that the character is shown to bounce back from those horrendous uh, setbacks is also admirable. So yeah, Hassan Hootel in nine, uh, I think he deserves a chance at a bigger club. Yeah, I'll, I'll slide through my seven, eight, nine. So seventh, I've got Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. We've basically explained yeah. the, the list. He, he could go high, he could be fifth, but I think yeah. top seven, fair enough. I've gone for Hassan Hootel in eighth. Fantastic yeah. job with Southampton. You can see why he's called the Alpine Jurgen Klopp, can't you? I think at the start of the season, you know, me included, I had Southampton to go down the season. I just thought they lost Ains. Yeah. And then they they brought in, you know, Armando Broya, completely improving from Chelsea, Tino Livramento. Yeah. And he, he's got them. He's got them playing phenomenally. James Ward Prowse. Yeah. You know, if Newcastle stayed up this season, I would be telling the board to be putting in a £90 million bid for him. I think he's that good. We've got Stuart Armstrong playing very well, and Silesu as well, probably the most underrated defender in the league. So all round, yeah, you know, he, he, I think he could get Southampton top ten this season. I think a lot depends on obviously Leicester and what happens with Rodgers, but yeah. top ten for Southampton this season would be a be a phenomenal achievement with that squad. And I've got in ninth. I've gone with Ranić. He's gone up from thirteenth on my list. <laughs> <laughs> from the way, from the way you've been glowing about him, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should bump him up a little bit high. But yeah, look, he's he's got a hard job at Man United. I think I think if any, you know, they wanted Pochettino. Yeah. I don't even think he'd be doing much better no. than, than what Ranić's doing. So it's hard to say. But like I've said before, if he was that good of a manager, he wouldn't have went to be a sporting director for quite a while. But I, that's up for opinion. I, I ain't mean, an expert. It's all about yeah. opinion. I mean, Pochettino's on... If Pochettino came in, he'd probably be fifth or sixth, wouldn't he? Fifth, I, yeah. I, I think he, he, Pochettino's almost Brendan Rodgers, the foreign version, isn't he? Almost. Yeah. Rodgers with an exotic name, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. But again, you, you can't... You, a lot of teams would love to have him. Like, a lot of teams would love to have Brendan Rodgers after he leaves Leicester at, at some point, I think, because he does have that effect. Um, okay. Now yeah. this gets interesting. Yes. Tenth yes. down because this I think the top, yeah. you know, the top eight and nine. Yes. It, we've all said the same names, haven't we? Pretty yeah. much. There's anyone that's not. I think we've literally got the all, same, jum- all jumbled, all jumbled up as the ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you've done well there. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll let you go first, then, Harry. I'll, I'll switch it around a bit, make it interesting. This is interesting, by the way. Um, Are we doing? Should we do ten to twelve? Ten, eleven, yeah, twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five through them. So tenth, uh, David Moyes for me. Look. A lot of credit in the bank of West Ham. I think when, because he came on an interim basis when he first came in, you know, kept them in the league. And it was kind of like, right, thanks, David. We're going to go and get another manager now to take us, you know, to another level. 
he stuck around and you know, look, I mean, he's landed on his feet with with Declan Rice and obviously getting in ball and the recruitment's been very smart and and from GSB they've got very, very lucky with the players they've brought in, but they've still got to go and do it on the pitch. Look, the fitness levels are off the scale at West Ham. It's a reason why you know they're they're in contention for the Champions League spots this season. But he just seems he just seems an all-around top guy. And look, you got a lot of criticism for the you know the, the job he done in Spain. Especially at Man United, I thought he got stitched up by Sir Alex. To be fair, I think a lot of people would agree with me on that front. And Sunderland as well. I mean, Sunderland fans say that David Moyes is the worst manager to ever manage that club. And you know, I disagree massively. But I'm very happy for him that he's been able to turn this around and show just how good of a manager he is. So a lot of love for Moyes. He's in tenth for me. Eleventh, you'll probably have him lower. But rose tinted glasses on. I've got to go with Eddie Howe. I've not seen. Uh, you know, it's took him a while to get the, the fitness up to speed from a certain manager who lives in Cheshire. It's took him a long, long time, but we're seeing the results, you know, match the performance levels from these players. Converting Joe Linton into a centre-mid. If you've seen his performance yesterday, he's been doing that ever since that game against Norwich. You know, he's on the, you know, the brink of a Brazil call-up, which is just, you know, incredible to say. He's got St Maximan. I thought he wouldn't be as good under Howe as he was under Bruce just because of, you know, having his wings clipped a little bit. He's actually took them to another level. And he's been able to sort that out defence. I know a lot of people will say, off oh, Newcastle stay in the league, it's all about because they spent money in, in January. It's still the same squad. We've got a lot of injuries. And to take 10 points from the last 12 games, uh, sorry, from the last four games, 12 games will be terrible. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Newcastle looking in a decent position to stay up now. So Eddie Howe, he's had a massive impact on and off the field. And it was a big job to turn that around. It's, it's not as easy as people think. Uh, so yeah, eleventh for me. Maybe a little bit harsh with twelfth. You could probably bump at this guy up to tenth. Bruno Lage, uh, phenomenal job he's he's done at Wolves, and I think under Nuno, I think he guided them to two or three seventh place finishes in a row. Um, but even you know, I think they were crying for change with Nuno. Look, he was a he was a good manager in all fairness to him. But Lage has seen is being able to get them performance levels back up to the way they were. And yeah, I just think he's done an all-around solid job. I know Wolves have got, I would say, have got a comfortable top 10 side, but he's been able to, to galvanise that team once again and, and get them believing. So, large and 12 for me. So, what have you gone with? Yeah, um, not too dissimilar. Number 10, David Moyes. I think uh, David Moyes as well, done a really, really solid job. Very experienced coach, almost had a renaissance, hasn't he? I think when he was at Everton, he was considered one of the best in the country for what he'd done at Everton. Went to Man United. That was like the start of the downfall, if you will. Getting the United job was a peak for him, the high. And then inevitably, it's like one of them Shakespearean tragedies. It just all sort of drops down after that. Uh, went to Sociedad, like you say. Didn't do too well at Sunderland. Obviously, there's that infamous clip where he, he uh, with, the, with the female reporter that didn't go down too well either. Was that was that those at Sunderland, I think? Yeah, I think that was at Sunderland. It was at Sunderland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, that didn't. So that was that was another blot on him, um, off the field. Slowly, but like you say, the interim basis comes in. Done a really, really good job though with West Ham. I think. I think one of the keys is he's, you know, he's a, he's a pragmatist, but he's a very good man manager. I think, and he's he's managed to get as as, as we say, he's, he's got them absolutely playing wonderfully well. Antonio's fading a little bit now, but generally he's converted him into a striker and got him playing really, really well. Generally, I think he could do with a bit more competition up there, but David Moyes, I suppose, doesn't control the, the 
you know, who, if, if, if the club can buy uh, people, he probably should have bought one or two in January um, to strengthen that top four push. But I think, yeah, I think he's done a very, very good job, given hope to a very big club in West Ham. Uh, and, and as I say, I, I put that really down to him being a very, very experienced coach, good pragmatic tactician, but also someone who's a, a very, very good man manager. And you can sort of tell that, I think. Um, you can tell that at the moment. Uh, number 11. Uh, Sean Dyche I think um, you know Dyche my club I think Burnley I think he's interesting Dyche I don't think Dyche is a master tactician at all actually I think tactically he's it's difficult to say he's limited because over the years he hasn't had the resources to necessarily say well you know could he could he be more expansive could he could he does he, he doesn't really have the options to change off the bench at least over the years he had he, he struggled to have many options on the bench it's usually been the first 11 and that's it um although i think i think burnley fans and others have noted that sometimes you know over the years i think well burnley got the least points i think in the in, in all the 92 clubs didn't the last year calendar year now that was predominantly playing the same formation the same way the same system and it's still continued and there seems to be a bit of uh, a, a bit of a turn around the corner at the moment with this wonderful 3-0 win against Brighton. But I think tactically there is still that question mark, whether he's a bit rigid, stuck in his ways, could be a bit more flexible. I mean, Nathan Collins, one of the best performers, uh, is a centre-back and he doesn't get very many games. Did a phenomenal job coming in for Tarkovsky against Brighton. Many fans have called for a back three. Connor Roberts is notoriously a wing-back. Um, you know, adding another centre-back in because central midfield maybe isn't the strongest suit could add for a bit of a could make for a bit of a better system could make for a bit of bit of a change in results maybe but he doesn't seem to he's always been reluctant to, to change from his 4-4-2 he has done it in the past it's not necessarily worked too much i think tactically there's a question mark and there always will be until he gets a bigger budget until he gets uh you know maybe moves to another team but his big strength man management absolutely phenomenal i'd say almost as good as anyone on that list of barring the elite managers i think sean dyke for his man management um, obviously I'll take the top four out of it but what he's done with lots of different characters I mean Joey Barton to, to reform Joey Barton and get him playing so well in the championship season to get Burnley up and then he brought him back and he helped keep Burnley up in that 16-17 uh, season I think uh, one of one of many examples of players that he's brought in uh, aren't necessarily too don't necessarily look too fashionable on paper you think oh what they're going to do he's got them playing really well I had Eric Peters to that Phil Bardsley to that players that have come in you know You'd, you'd assume just to make up the numbers, but they've made really big impacts at the club. Got Chris Wood, by the way, a player who hasn't scored a goal at Newcastle, scoring double-figure goals every season uh, in, a, you know, in, a, in a system that at times, you know, really... Uh, I don't know. I think it, uh, that was more of a dig there, but I think generally on the whole, I think what he's, he's done... He's doing a lot more than scoring goals. Uh, no, 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 no. no. Really, I'm really messing, I'm really messing. But yeah. I think on the whole, yeah... And all the over all the years, the amount of players that speak glowingly of him, he hasn't necessarily got it all right. I know Ben Gibson didn't like him, Patrick Bamford hated him apparently, uh, but generally on the whole, I think he's got he, he's made such an impression on the players. He's got them playing out of the skin uh, and putting the body on the line for the cause. And what he's done for Burnley over the years has been phenomenal, really. So, Dyche in number eleven, number twelve, Bruno Lage. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, very young manager still. He did win a he did win a title with Benfica. It's, it's an impressive achievement considering he just got into the club at that point, and um, and now he's gone to Wolves and he's he's completely innovated the way they play. They were quite a pragmatic defensive team under Nuno Espirito Santo, more counter attacking. Now they're on the front foot. They're playing between the lines. They dominated more of the ball. Uh, he's done a really really good job, and I think 
give him another one or two seasons and if they keep pushing and keep pushing, he's easily in the top 10. Maybe, maybe you know, really pushing up that top 10. I think what he's done so far is really, 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 really impressive. But we're still going off quite a small, re- a small resume. And I think that's worth bearing in mind. The amount of times we say, this guy's going to be a world beater or this guy's going to be the next big thing, then the next season it falters. I think that's why we've always got to bear in mind the experience that some of these, you know, in the one to 10 have had uh, in terms of doing it season after season after season. But yeah, Lager doing very well. And with Wolves as well, like it is a is a comfortable top 10 side, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's not really a job dissimilar to what Nuno did. And Nuno had a lot of injuries in that last season. So jury's still out with Lager. Yeah, yeah. But I, on the evidence, it seems he's made them a better side. So yeah, he's got to be. Whereas, so what we've done basically is you've put your club's manager in 11th and I've put my club's manager in 11th and we've gone with the same 10 and 12th yeah so I wonder if you've got my team's manager in 13th because I've got Sean Dyche in 13th I think there is no other manager that would have kept Burnley in the league than Sean Dyche what he's been able to do with that set of players lack of investment over a number of years is truly remarkable to be fair and hats off to Dyche look like we've said I don't think he's the he sticks to his ways he knows his limitations almost he's not going to go and play this you know, high press, this this pretty on the eye football. Is that a lot down to he knows his players' own limitations himself? Maybe. But he does a job with Burnley. And even though, as it stands, you know, they are in the bottom three, four points adrift. I would still say out of those teams down there, as a Newcastle fan, Burnley are the side I fear the most out of. No, that's the nice. Yeah. I do think, to be fair to Dyche, I think there has been more of an emphasis on the high press of late. I think that's sort of, that's been a change that's been noticeable. I think it's more about possession baseball, playing between lines. I think there is an effort to do that. But again, it's all within that rigid 4-4-2 framework. So again, yeah, I think that's 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 open to, to debate the tactical side of it. Um, yeah, no, 13. I've not done that actually. I've got Mikel Arteta in 13. I think that uh, interesting. I did have Arteta lower down, but it's it's hard because Arteta's not actually done a great deal at Arsenal in terms of on the pitch achievements after the FA Cup and after the Community Shield, which he started with. And everyone thought, my God, this guy's going to be the next coming. It hasn't really worked like that. But I do hope cut some slack on Arteta because I think what he's done in terms of big decisions that he's had to make. I think he's he's been very brave and he's done very well to retain the support of the dressing room because they were in a really bad position uh, after that. After that FA Cup winning Community Shield win, they brought Willian in, they brought a few others in and they were, they were in such a poor position at Christmas of that season. And then he completely wiped the slate clean, brought young players in, got Emil Smith-Rowe in, uh, Bukayo Saka of course was, was still quite a regular player at that point I think but he put his trust in youth and it, had, and it paid off for him since then he's been a lot more cutthroat I think with some of the bigger players I mean huge call to get to ostracise Aubameyang who didn't seem to have the, the appetite for Arsenal anymore or at least his Arsenal uh, big decision to cut ties with Ozil as well especially when many for many games people were saying Arsenal were lacking a creative you know, player to to sort to 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 feed the goal scorers, uh, and he just he didn't play him, and he, and he eventually got him out of the club. And the wage bill, I'm re- reading recently, has been slashed so much since Arteta's taken charge, so much, um, and that will put the club in a healthier financial position. It'll mean that they can probably make more moves on the transfer market for future seasons. So I think there's still a lot for Arteta to prove. I think he's a fantastic tactician, and we all we all always knew that because he was he had an apprenticeship under Guardiola, and he and 
by all accounts, had such a, had a big influence on that Man City team as a coach. Uh, but as a manager, I think he's made a, quite a lot of mistakes so far, but I think he's got quite a lot of things right. And I think every single week he's at Arsenal, he's finding out more about himself, he's finding out more about his players. And in one or two seasons, we could be looking at someone who's, you know, easily in that top 10 of, of this prestigious list. But um, but for now, there's still there's still a bit to prove for me. But yeah, he's in, he's in 13th for me, Arteta. He goes into 14th for me. Yeah. If we if he gets top four with Arsenal this season, he could probably jump up to as high as eighth, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. It, it, imagine that for a first job in football, Arsenal. Yeah, Look, it's, hard. A, it's not exactly a dreamland, is it? You know, you've got likes of a Bamiang on half a million a week who don't want to be there. Imagine yeah. quite a lot of prima donnas. It's, it, it's quite a tough... It's a tough gig. I feel he's done all right. He's done fantastic with the young players that have come through. Mm. Being able to, you know, the emergence of, you know, Saka bringing Smith Rowe back from the championship playing yeah. such a key part. And then I just think they're lacking that number nine. I think if he had that, if he had that, you know, proper, if he had Lacazette from three or four years ago, yeah. I think Arsenal would have been a shoehorn for top four. But he's 14th on the list just because of that whole unproven thing. And he spent a lot of money in the summer, more than any other yeah. club in England. Yeah. So really, they they should be getting Saudis weren't four. around then, were they, Harry? No, they <laughs> weren't. <of course>. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be top of the league if we yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, besides it, like is it? Yeah, no. A little harsh on Arteta, but fourteenth for him. I'll do fifteenth and sixteenth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Thomas Frank and fifteenth. Okay. Yeah, it's he may be a little bit lower, maybe even a little bit higher. I just think Brentford. I thought they'd stay up this season just based on like first season in the Premier League it's a bit like Sheffield United when they came up had that great season everyone's first year in the Premier League is fantastic well it seems to be and then next season it all, it all goes to pot and it seems at the minute Brentford's season's going to pot because they're not picking up many results at all but first part of the season no one could live with Brentford playing such good football it's not a great squad they come through the playoffs you know they, they, they think they banked a lot on Ivan Tony scoring all the goals for them this season it's not really happened, but they've still, you know, been able to win games. You know, beating Arsenal on the opening day. I think I think Frank's done a pretty decent job, and it is yeah. it. It's not a great team, but they could still go down. So I think you've got the you've got to say like fifteenth. He ain't the worst manager in the league. He ain't the best. Could be yeah. higher. Could be yeah. lower. And sixteenth, I think he would have been a lot higher if we filmed this a couple of weeks ago. Steven yeah. Gerrard. Okay. I think he's a better manager than Dean Smith. He's certainly made Villa a better side. But he's had a good January. He's brought in two or three quality players and they aren't getting any better. And that is a little worry. I still think the jury's out on Gerard because like we said at the start of this podcast, a lot of these guys are new into jobs. It's hard to judge them at this stage. But from what I'm seeing at the minute, 16th on a, on a, a list of 20 good managers, yeah. I think that's probably about right. Maybe a little higher, maybe being a little harsh. Yeah, but. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you've gone with. No, yeah, uh, similar. So fourteenth, I've gone Eddie Howe. I think you're right. I think this has been a substantial upgrade since the previous manager at Newcastle, and you know, tactically very, very solid. Uh, a progressive coach with wonderful ideas going forward. Question marks always been whether he can organise a defence, but I think the defence for Newcastle has looked more organised of late. But we're not basing it just on Newcastle. We're basing it on all the things he did all before that at Bournemouth predominantly. He had an OK spell at Burnley, nothing special, briefly, and then he went back to Bournemouth. He took them from the pits to the, the Premier League and he kept them in the Premier League for a long time, playing really eye-catching football, Um and that's what that's what made him the coach that everyone wanted at the time. His, his reputation went a bit down when Bournemouth went down, but you know he's got an opportunity now with Newcastle to 
to bounce back. He had a bit of a break from the game, and, and from what from what we can see so far, he's doing a really good job, and he's a really nice guy. And good luck to him. I think he has a bit more on his CV than the other managers, which is why he's in fourteenth as a progressive coach with a bit of a, 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 of a back not a backstory, but a bit of substance behind what he's done because he's done it for a number of years as opposed to just coming in and and and, and having a one one or two good seasons. Yeah, you got to remember what he did at Bournemouth, and as I say, it looks like looks like. He will probably keep Newcastle up, but we don't know. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy season. Uh, even though you seem to know, because you said yesterday rather cockily that you are staying up. So never mind. Uh, it's winding you up this. Yeah, okay, it's fine. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, number fifteen, Stevie G, Stephen Gerrard. I think the reason why Gerrard's there as well. You got to remember what he did at Rangers as well, which was his first managerial job, going in, uh, winning a trophy, ending Celtic's pursuit of, of ten, you know, successive Scottish League titles. That's a really, really good achievement. Um, they've actually they were actually top of the league when he left, uh, and now they now I think they're second. So um, yeah, I, th- I think or or at least they, they are now in more of a title race than the, uh, Van Bronckhorst. It's 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 not quite. Yeah, Celtic are top at the minute, aren't they? But but they did win four in Dortmund against Dortmund, so that was a phenomenal achievement for uh, new manager Van Bronckhorst. What a game that was! Uh, but. Yeah, what Gerard did at Rangers was, was very, very impressive for his first managerial job. His start at Villa has been quite impressive too, but recent results has been a bit of a slide. He's got a very, very good squad there now. Uh, I think it's a bit harsh to judge where they finish this season, as long as they finish comfortable mid-table. I think that'll be fine. Next season where you're properly judging, but I think tactically he seems flexible. He can be pragmatic and be he can be quite open and attacking. Um, he's not got a defined philosophy yet, I don't think, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think from what he did in Scotland, that was a really impressive start. And what he started at Villa, I think he has taken them up from what Dean Smith was doing, but there has been a bit of a regression since. So yeah, fifteenth uh, for Gerard, then sixteenth. Yeah, Thomas Frank. Uh, he's gone up slightly, as I've been thinking. What he did with Brentford is really, really, really impressive. He did manage Bromby, but he didn't have a massive managerial CV. Uh, he's come in, he's sort of got the club, he understands the club, he understands Brentford. He's been, he works really well with the recruitment staff, uh, the recruitment team. They brought in players that fit his style. Uh, he got Brentford promoted playing the right way, beautiful football. And he's doing quite well at the moment as well. He's got a charisma, what I like. You know, he's, he, you can, you can, you'd like him to be in charge of your football club. Sometimes he becomes, he comes across a bit bitter. I think it's quite funny. Um yeah, 16th, based on how they've done it. Like you say, uh, Harry, really, I mean, really, that squad should go down, really. So if it did go down, you can't really attribute too much of the blame to Frank. He's got them playing some really good stuff, and, and, and now it's started to shift a little bit. But, yeah, that, that, that's, that's bound to happen, bound to be expected, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, look, they come up through the playoffs... You would expect them to finish bottom of the league, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you go in, if you go in that rank order, so I think if he keeps them up, it's a phenomenal achievement. But I don't yeah. think it would be much of a surprise if they went down. I no, still no. think they've got enough to stay up, mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do. Yeah. It's yeah. It does. Yeah. I think so. And the the signing of Ericsson, as much as it's wonderful and could be a masterstroke, I still think there's a lot of question marks on that as well because you know he has been out of football for a little bit now. He isn't quite the same player who was in his peak at Tottenham. Obviously, still got magic in his boots, I think, but it, it's a bit of a different situation now, isn't it? So that's that's still up in the air with, with Eric. It would be like Brentford's Esteban Cambiasso when he went to Leicester. Yeah, maybe. Kept them up. Maybe. Know. Yeah, maybe. Loves um, Cambiasso, what player? Yeah, he was. He was great. He was great. Inter Milan uh, legend, wasn't he, when he was at Inter? Um, right, we'll go 17 each and then we can go to the relegation zone. So 17, just missing out on the drop. 
of the of the prestigious table. Patrick Vieira, um, gone Patrick Vieira in 17th. Similar reasons to what we were saying at the start. Vieira's done a really good job of getting them playing really good football, but there have been obvious flaws in Palace's game that he hasn't seemed to address. Uh, one of them is that they concede a lot from set pieces and they, they are a bit fragile at the back. Uh, the other one is that when they do create the chances, I know this isn't necessarily his fault, but there has been a profligacy in front of goal. There hasn't been a clinical edge. And if there had been a clinical edge, arguably you're looking at them being, you know, pushing the top half. But like you said, Harry, before we went on air, that squad is, is there's been a lot spent on it. There's a lot of good players um so you know he's coming with a progressive mind he's a progressive coach he seems to be well liked by the players uh but you'd, you'd imagine most progressive managers could come in with the money that had been spent and do a fairly decent job what i would say in Vieira's defense is he's got them playing football quickly well and there's been a lot of new players to put into that squad um you know and he, ha- and he has got them playing really good football it's just as we say the points on the ball you still feel there should be more because it is still, you know, it's a very good squad with some really good uh, individual attacking players. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like you said there, I think we're all surprised when he came in at how fast he was able to get them Palace players working because, I mean, they were almost stuck in their ways under Hodgson. It was 4-4-2, defend, ball up long, get it to Zaha and hope he does a bit of magic. And he was able to... Sounds like Bruce. (laughs) 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 But he has got got a good team. You know, they spent good money in the summer. I mean, Anderson and Gehi, both performed very well for their respective clubs last season. Of course, he's good Zahar. He brought in Michael Elise as well, who I think is a player that could go very far in his career. Yeah. And Conor Gallagher, who I think will start for Chelsea next season. Yeah. He's got a core of a very, very good side. Should he be doing better with that team? Maybe. But I didn't realise that, you know, Palace could still get dragged into the relegation battle because they aren't winning every week anymore. They seem just to be picking up the odd point and look, they'll stay up, no doubt about it. Mm. But, Vieira maybe should be doing a little bit better with the team. And as got. well, Vieira's had a few years in management and he's not had an amazing track record, no, which is why I think... Well at, didn't do very well at Nice. No, and that's why I think there was a lot of surprise when he did come in. And to be honest, everyone thought, I think, when he'd come in, this isn't going to work. So he has done better than, I think, what we thought. Uh, but again, like, like he's not he's not done phenomenally well. And, and I must stress, this 20-man managerial list is quite hard because everyone is quite a good manager. All quite right? good, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's fine margins, as Sean Dyche like, says. We said earlier, it's fine margins. Uh, right, relegation zone. Uh, oh, you 17. Oh, my 17. Yeah. Uh, Dean Smith. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's even won games with Norwich is, is remarkable. I think him and Craig yeah. Shakespeare, really, really good combination. You look at that Norwich team, for me, it's a mid-table championship side competing in the Premier League. Yeah. You've got to remember at the start of the season, they sold their best player in Buendia yeah. and kind of replaced him with a bunch of you know random players. Obviously, you know, like with Rashitska, Matthias Norman, not exactly proven talents and they've not exactly worked yeah. out for them. So the fact that he's even got them competing and active in this relegation battle is is a phenomenal achievement. It's yeah. in, right? Do I think Norwich will stay in the Premier League? Probably not, but it's a good sign that they're putting up a fight and you know, in defence to Dean Smith as well, he's not really done a bad job anywhere he's went either. I mean, he, he done well at Brentford, I thought, yeah. as well. At Villa, he had to turn around the problems with Steve Bruce. He had a very, very good squad, albeit. But mm. the fact that he got them up that season was still a good achievement at the playoffs, considering the position they were in. Yeah. And he'd done a solid job with Aston Villa. He, yeah. you know, he, he had them, did he have them 11th or 12th, I think? Yeah, 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 yeah. Transitional yeah. season after the you know the scare of relegation, so I think Dean Smith's got a lot of credit in the bank. Yeah, and maybe he should be a little bit higher. And if he yeah. keeps Norwich in the league, yeah, he goes top ten for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I I've got yeah relegation zone. 
Sorry, really, that's what it is. Last bottom three. Dean Smith, 18th, for similar reasons to you. Uh, doing better than what Daniel Farker did at Norwich. He's got a bit of a response. Maybe that's just the new manager bounce. I mean, Farker had been there for a long time and actually done quite well for Norwich, but maybe maybe just needed a bit of a fresh voice. He seems to have applied that. Did a solid job at Villa. I think it was probably, in hindsight, the right time for him to go, really, when he did. Right, uh, of course. They were a club moving quickly, weren't they? And I don't think Smith... He's in what I mean this in the most respectful way. Isn't a manager that excites... You know, it won't excite a fan base. Oh, this is going to take us forward. Unlike Gerard, who's got that effect yeah. and can pull in the likes of Coutinho. Exactly. Seen, you know. Exactly. I think he's a solid progressive coach with decent tactics. And he, we've shown that throughout his career. I think he's a well-liked coach. You know, we saw his relationship with Jack Grealish. He, he got Jack Grealish playing really, really well for Villa and, and sort of made him the made him the star. I do, I do think, though, that it sort of came a cropper at Villa when it almost looked like he put too much emphasis on Grealish. I've said this before. When Grealish left, they signed a lot of players. I know there are a lot of players to integrate him, but it didn't look like they had a cohesive plan. It didn't look like they had a way of of, of breaking teams down, of attacking, because it was almost it was so much back banked on Grealish. That's just you know he just didn't really adjust to that. But yeah, doing a solid job at Norwich so far. Yeah, I think so. Nineteen, we'll go. We'll, I'll do my I'll do my final three. Nineteen, Roy Hodgson. Now, Roy Hodgson. It's, this is a hard one because he's actually done, you know he's, he's got a, he's got a very big managerial career. He's done a very solid job wherever he's been. He's a pragmatist. He keeps teams in the league. And he did that with Crystal Palace for a number of years, even though Crystal Palace fans said probably if we'd have had another year doing similar stuff with Roy Hodgson, it might have been the, the inevitable decline. Because last season they were very poor. They gave away uh, a lot of games where they, they, they were just lifeless in the performances. I think the reason why I put him 19th is because he, re- he retired in the summer. And everyone said that was you know a good time for him to go. He'd had his time. He'd had his moment. And when you retire, I do think that sort of says, well, I've given all I can for the game. Uh, I don't think, you know, I've got too much left in me because hence why, hence why I'm calling it a day. He's had a wonderful career, a wonderful time, but it did feel like at the end of that Palace time, he'd had his time. And now he's come back to Watford. And to be fair, given his CV, you can say, well, he probably gives them a better chance of survival than Ranieri. And he does, because I think he comes in as a pragmatist. He'll get them solid. He'll get them dogged uh, defensively. And he'll hope that they can win games, not by XG, but just by just by getting some fortune defensively, defending hard, and then taking the odd chance when it pops up. But at the same time, I don't think there'd be many other clubs clambering for him. Even if they're in a relegation dogfight, I think they'd rather stick with what they had uh, as opposed to going for Hodgson, who is basically in that sort of Sam Allardyce bracket of we'll take him and, and we'll see what he does. But then again, I'd argue even then, I think Sam Allardyce still has a bit more... Sam Allardyce is still alive. Well, he's still kicking. I was going to say alive still and kicking. alive, isn't he? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it with the most respect. I think he's a, he's a lovely man. He's had a wonderful career, but there's a reason why he retired in the summer. And I think bringing him back, it's sort of... I even He's think come even, back for a payday, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and I think they're better suited with him than Ranieri, I must say. But in a, in a very tight list of 1 to 20, I think that's why he comes in 19th. 20th as well, Frank Lampard. Listen, Frank Lampard, I think he's done a, he's done an OK job everywhere he's been. Did an OK job with Derby. Arguably, should have got the playoffs. They did. They got to play a final, they lost. So he did OK. A good job would have been, obviously, winning that playoff final, fine margins. He did an OK job at Chelsea, got them to fourth. No, it took them from third to fourth, but obviously people say that. And 
and, and, and it sounds bad, but then he lost Ed, Eden Hazard. They had a transfer ban. He developed a lot of youngsters. Did, I think he did really well in that season, to be honest. Second season, it all kind of fell apart when the club wanted to push forward quickly and he didn't really have the capacity to take them forward. So there's been a quite... So he did so OK at Chelsea. He did OK at Derby. He's not a terrible manager. He's not a great manager. He's just an OK manager. He's come to Everton. This is sort of going to be the, the litmus paper, the test that sort of says whether he is you know, someone who's going on the right path or whether he's probably a bit of a dud, it's still open in the air. And I even think results so far show that it's still open in the air. He, did, he had a really good win at Goodison, lost quite convincingly to Southampton and Newcastle, Did really, but then beat Brentford 4-1 in the Cup. So still up in the air, and that's where he's bottom because we just don't know with Lampard, I think. Like we've said all the way throughout this podcast, all 20 of them are all good and they're all yeah. right. It's just, yeah. there is no like rubbish managers anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, still quite a few, but they're all they're all pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, bottom three, I've gone Vieira 18th. Yeah. You we've pretty much already discussed Patrick Vieira. He's gone in 18th for me. And the thing is, we've pretty much had the same list. It's not too the yeah. similar reason. No, no, no. Tumbled around a little bit. Uh, I've gone Lampard in 19th, actually. Oh, uh, just oh the, no. Yeah, I, hey, I just, just think that. Ages. The, the first, <laughs> the first season he had with Chelsea, you know, the, the bringing in of the youth players and that sort yeah. of thing. I thought he'd done very, very well with them. Petered off second half of the season, but very difficult. I think a lot of more credit shown for Arteta as well is how difficult it is to manage top, top footballers. Yeah, and I think Lampard found out the hard way. Yeah, I don't think he tactically amazing no. from stuff I've heard from training sessions and yeah. stuff. Yeah. nowhere near as good as you know a, a Tuchel like an elite coach but oh, no. let's see what he does at Everton Jury's yeah. still out with him but yeah. not being the best for him so far I yeah. think anything's an upgrade on Rafa for Everton Yeah, I think we'll still keep him up just because of Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin keep yeah. them fit they'll stay up Listen, but I, th- I think you mentioned defeat, yeah. yeah you mentioned Benitez as well I mean on this 1-20 to Benitez for me is higher than Lampard but at Everton I think it's literally a case of Bottom. anyone but Benitez yeah yeah, he's, sense, he's yeah. go bottom on the list based on no, I love Benitez, but he's not a fit for Everton Football Club. No, no, yeah, he's fit enough. He had them playing defensive football, but he had them playing that football because he knew they weren't good enough to play expansive attack. And, and you're still seeing that a bit now. You see yeah. that at Newcastle the yeah. last six months before he left, we yeah. were playing some good stuff, and that was because yeah. he, he brought in you know, he had Almiron, had Rondon, and Perez as yeah. a front three, yeah. had a solid defense, yeah. But before then, it was back five, you know, pass it around yeah. the back, and yeah. it was a bit like Roy Hodgson at Watford, where he's just yeah. gonna park the bus and hope yeah. that Saar and Dennis can pull something together and nick them a few wins like they did yesterday. And Hodgson goes bottom uh, on my list. Just for the reasons above, really. It felt another season at Palace, they might have went down. There was a reason why they didn't trust him with the Wan-Bissaka money. They essentially held that cash yeah. until a new manager came in and then they said, oh, yeah, you can go and spend it. Yeah. There must have been a reason behind that. He's went back to Watford because the chances are they're going to sack him at the end of the season. <laughs> Decent payday for him. But he could still keep them up if he gets that defence sorted out. They look a lot better with Samir at centre-half. I think Hassan yeah. Kamara is a good signing. Obviously, Imran Laos has come back to fitness yeah. as well. He's been, he looked really, really good yesterday. Yeah. And Saar and Dennis will be playing Premier League football next yeah. season, whether it's for Watford or not. Really. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, with, I mean, Hodgson's just got a contract at the end of the season. It's hard with, with Hodgson and Lampard. The only reason I put Lampard bottom is because we don't know it. I think with Hodgson, you kind of have, not a guarantee, but there's a bit of a proven track record that he does get def- teams playing defending better. Whereas with Lampard, there isn't really a proven track record. There is he does sort of get the youngsters it's playing. The thing well. is with Everton, it's a different yeah. one because Benitez yeah. didn't have them fit, really. No, no. And Lamp and you don't really have to be fit if you're parking the bus as opposed to playing this press and football. Yeah. And yeah. then 
when they came to St James's and I was watching them, they were knackered by 60, 70 yeah. minutes. And because Newcastle had been building up their fitness for however many weeks, yeah. we were able just to, you know, dominate the game the last 20 minutes and win the match. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a long one for Lampard. And he's got to hope that Everton have got some favourable fixtures before the end of the season or they genuinely could go down. Especially yeah. with Yerry Mina out injured. You know, you, know, he, you know, it sounds stupid though. And I'll just ask you the question, but if Everton had appointed Lampard, do you think there'd be more shoe foot for safety this season? Sorry, if Everton had appointed Hodgson, do you think there'd be more of a shoe foot for safety just for three months? I think no, yes. because it's the, it's the same football and no. the fans would be absolutely fuming at it. I think Everton fans, all they yeah. want is press, attack, passion. Yeah. You're not, you're going to get the same job from Roy Hodgson and he's a former Liverpool manager as well. Yeah, yeah, but because not the, alleged, is, is Benitez two point yeah, two They'd probably go down with him. Not as not as bad as Benitez though, because he's managed about seven million clubs, hasn't he? Whereas Rafa was yeah. sort of yeah. So I don't know. It's a hard one that, but yeah, nineteenth and twentieth. That's fair. I mean that, that 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 that's a good discussion. There's a lot there. A similar similar sort of. Uh, thoughts process on all of them you know if you enjoyed that then i probably will probably make it a monthly theme of uh of, of ranked lists like this because they do have some bit of spice to them probably a top we? players one next thing that might be a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well one thing i did on my old podcast just to tease if you you can listen back to that you know that was a wonderfully built podcast the 15 minutes of football podcast but um the one thing we did was top five per position so in the in, in the league in the world, so top five left wingers, top five strikers, top five right wingers, etc., all the way through. That that provided some interesting. It's debates. all good discussion. It's all good it discussion. Is. That's what it is. De- debates. It's good to listen and to shout down the other person if you think that they're wrong. It's all healthy. Uh, no, that bit's not healthy, of course. But yeah, please do give us a. a, a uh, you've listened, so do give us a like if you can. Do give us a, a rating, five star. That that would be preferable, and uh, a review. That that'd be wonderful as well. Reviews do help the uh, boost the podcast reach. Uh, because uh, people read nice reviews, they go, oh, yeah, I might listen to that. Read nasty reviews. Yeah, to be fair, if you hate it as well, you know, you give it one star. People people like people like strong opinions. So, you know, uh, whichever way you want to go, just, just make sure that the review's there and it's noticed. Uh, but, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully back next month for a similar kind of feature. Uh, until then, uh, stay safe. Uh, during these slightly less crazy times now COVID seems to be going in the UK but across the rest of the world it does seem to be a little bit there already so wherever you are take care stay safe enjoy the rest of your life and my thanks to Harry as well yep thanks for listening cheers guys